the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Today we return to the 13th chapter of Hebrews. Last week we covered verses 1 through 6, and today's text will be verses 7 through 16. Now, as I said last week, the author of Hebrews is following a very logical and familiar pattern of discipling. In the New Testament, more specifically in the New Covenant, the disciple is first taught about his relationship with God, about who he is and how that relationship affects who he is. And then he's taught about how he came in or at the point of of learning this, he's taught about how he came into that relationship, how he became a part of the finished work of Christ. And then he is taught how that translates into living. How do we live? Now, here's the neat thing about that. That's not like when you were a child, you were trained to do certain things in order to accommodate your living. It's actually training you to live out of what God has placed in you. It's actually provoking what God has put at your center to come forward so that it affirms you in who you are. And many Christians have trouble with their faith. They have trouble with with their belief in God because they never allow his life to be affirmed in their living. What is more often affirmed in their living is their humanity. But God wants us to live with a specific purpose, a specific context, which says, I live for him. I live to know him. Everything that confronts me, confronts me for the purpose of knowing him. Nothing that has happened to my life has happened to my life just because I was in the wrong place or the right place at the wrong time or the right time. We are in the world, but we are learning that we are not of the world, that we are no longer of the world. And it is a learning process, isn't it? We find ourselves so readily taking root in the things of this world. All it takes is just the right environment and suddenly the roots go down, right? And we're feeding off of the poison of this world. But God never intends for us to be plants, planted, being conformed, being brought up in the nurture of this world. 
That's the work of the flesh and the enemy. The way of the new creation, the way that we were born to live, for those of us who were born again, is to live from the life within. To always live from the context of being spiritual rather than being physical. There are a lot of things that make you a victim in the body. There are a lot of things that will pull you away from truth out of the body. There are a lot of things that will cause you to have unholy and ungodly appetites with the body. But if you recognize who you are in Christ spiritually, then the body becomes a a tool, an instrument by which we live out and affirm the truth within. Because the body is really created for God. It's just bearing the curse of sin. And what would be a greater act of faith? What would be the greatest act of faith would be to live contrary to the dynamic of your body, of your environment, of your world, of your circumstances by faith. That's where God placed you. That's where he has you. Because by faith, we're to walk around with joy. By faith, we're to walk around with hope. By faith, we're to walk around with confidence. By faith, we're supposed to live out of the truth. But it takes faith, doesn't it? Because the soul's not on board all the time, is it? In fact, most of the time, it's not on board. And as I mentioned, some people, the soul may never be on board for them. They have to come forward every day and say, I determine in this day, I will know the Lord. I will walk in truth. I will live out the joy that he has placed within me. I will spread the peace of God to whomever I come in contact with. That's a determination of faith. We were born again, which means we're not who we used to be. Who did we used to be? Paul writes in Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3. He says, And you were made alive when you were spiritually dead and separated from him because of your transgressions and sin in which you walked. You were following the ways of this world. That's what you were doing before you were saved. You are following the ways of this world. You are influenced by this present age. That was a condition of being lost. In accordance with prince of the power of air, of the air, Satan, the spirit who is now at work in the disobedient, the unbelieving, who fight against the purposes of God. That's who you were. Among these unbelievers, we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, our behavior governed by our sinful self. That's how we lived before Christ. We lived in the passions of our flesh. Indulging the desires of the human nature without the Holy Spirit. Only now we indulge often the desires of the human uh, condition. Disregarding the Holy Spirit. Don't we? And the impulses of the sinful mind. A mind that is not yielded to him. Becomes a nesting place for all manner of wickedness. We were by nature. At that point, under the sentence of God's wrath, just like the rest of mankind. That is who we were. That is not who we are. We can behave like who we were, but we cannot return to who we were. We are naturally spiritual. 
spiritually the children of God, new creations. Now, here's the thing. We started last week reading some instructions given to the Hebrew Christians. Instructions that someone living as in the description that I just read could not possibly follow. That person was not capable of following any of the instructions that were given to the believers in Hebrews, or for that matter, anywhere in the Bible. These instructions are given for the new creation. You know the verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him, in, as Savior, he is a new creation. He is a new creation. He is Reborn, renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, the new things have come because spiritual awakening brings new life. Now, in this part of the book of Hebrews, it has instruction. But the book of Hebrews is about declaring the centrality of Christ to this little Hebrew fellowship, to remind them of who they are. And that's where we always come back to. Whenever we find ourselves completely mired in the symptoms of unbelief, which include anger, anxiety, selfishness, pride, all of those things, whenever we find ourselves mired in those things, there is an anchor. There is a hope because what is changed is simply in our soul. It isn't who we are. And we can turn to the Lord. And you know what the Lord will do consistently in his word or by the work of his spirit. If you're apart from that written word, by the work of his spirit within you, he will point you to who he is and who he made you to be. That's what he'll do. And in that, he sets up a contrast and he says, this is you, this is not. This is you, this is not. And this is not is that part that brought on all of the anxiety, the fear, all of the stuff that caused you to look up without and say, oh my gosh, where are we going? Where's this world? What's this world coming to? What are we going to do? We're so vulnerable. We're so weak. And what we read last week in verse 5, he's got you in his grip. And he will not, will not, will not, will not ever let you go. Christ has fulfilled the law and given these people a new and better way to live. He's given all of us a better way to live. Life for the believer, Jew or Gentile, makes no difference, is a supernatural life that no longer clings to this temporal existence. Time and distractions... The distractions of living had caused these believers to become carnal and lethargic in their faith. So the author confronts them in chapter 5. You'll remember this verse, chapter 5, verse 12 of Hebrews. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers because of the time you have had to learn these truths, you have actually, you actually need someone to teach you again the elementary principles of God's word from the beginning. And you have come to be continually in need of milk, not solid food. Now, here's what he's saying. What you have learned has become distorted. 
What you have learned no longer impacts you. What you have learned you don't even retain to the degree that you did before. You don't understand to the degree that you did before. Because you know what happened? They had, they had subtracted faith from their learning. They had subtracted the person of Christ from the word of Christ. And it became milk. It became weak. It became the beginning, the fundamental stuff. And he says, you know what? We need to go back. We need to reteach you these things. And you know what he's saying? We need to go back and we need to teach you, reteach this stuff in light of who you are. In light of Christ's life within you. In light of the truth that I have placed within you. How many, every one of us has had that experience. How many of you are learning the scriptures all over again? How many of you are growing in in the scriptures that you have known all of your life and suddenly they have taken on new meaning to you? They have new depth. Well, I want to tell you something. The longer you live, the deeper the scriptures go. And you don't find the bottom. Because your experience is changing. And the longer you walk with him, the more powerful, the more impactful his word is going to be with you. That's why we should never abandon the word of God. And we should never abandon the teaching of the person of God. We should always go in there with an expectation that that thing that you've been taught on and taught on and rehearsed and rehearsed and have even memorized has unbelievable, unfounded depths for you, which God will show you, bring you into even deeper acquaintance of truth. They had neglected faith, no longer walked in the reality of their new birth. And while they continued to name the name of Christ, they were no longer walking according to the Spirit. Their faith was immature. So the author compares them to infants in the faith. Even though they had been richly discipled by godly teachers, now they were enduring persecution from the Jewish society because of their faith. And some of them were wavering and considering returning to Judaism. You know, part of that is they've gotten comfortable. And they were more concerned with losing their comfort than they were losing their witness, losing the truth of what God had shown them. Because they had neglected the faith and not practiced living with trust and complete reliance upon God, they were losing hope. They were despairing. They were fearful. Unbelief is not a condition that we catch like a cold. It's not like a virus, which we all know too much about right now. But it's not like that. Unbelief is a practiced neglect of faith. That's what unbelief is. It is a practiced neglect of faith. What does that mean? That means that I just go about my day going through things, maybe throwing a prayer towards him here and there. But for the most part, I'm operating under my own steam. And it's only when I run into a wall that I enter into faith and say, God, you've got to be bigger than this circumstance in front of me. Praise the Lord. That's not the way he designed you to live. That's not the faith that he designed you to walk in. Walk in, which indicates life, breath, moment by moment, faith. But you know what? That doesn't happen overnight, does it? And for the most part, believers are lazy. And they want to get on with their living. I know, because I'm one of them. 
But it takes daily practice of truth. Daily practice of faith. Yeah, you get up in the morning and you've done it all your life, right? You got up and it wasn't a big deal. And you just put your clothes on and you go to work. And the problems of the day are the problems of the day. You've done it for years. And it's not about saying a little hurried prayer in traffic. It's about recognizing, recognizing internally in context, in walk, by faith that you are in the presence of God. That you're not alone. That in the presence of God, you don't walk to go do a job for somebody else. You go forward in faith to know him. The job is just the flannel board that's going to give you the instruction that you need to grow. Living by faith is practiced. So that when you do come to the wall, you don't come to it without confidence. You don't come to it saying... Oh my gosh, what did I do to deserve this? Or how dare life present me with this? Or God must be mad at me because he presented this or allowed this in my circumstance. You come to it with a confidence that you've walked with God all the way there. And that God is is about you and inhabits you and has gone before you. And you're in the plan of God. With that confidence, you step up to that wall and you are unafraid. You're not spending your your afternoon in the closet with God begging and pleading that he somehow come into the middle of your circumstances and rescue you. No. You recognize that your rescuer is with you. And you've been with him. And he will not, will not, will not let you go alone. Now... To restore their faith, they needed to be reminded of some things. They needed to begin to practice living by faith. Now stand with me while we read our text. Hebrews 13, verses 7 through 16. Remember your leaders, for it was they who brought you the word of God. And consider the results of their conduct, the outcome of their godly lives. And imitate their faith, their conviction that God exists. He is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider of eternal salvation through Christ, and reliance on God with absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. Jesus eternally changeless, always yesterday, today, forever. Do not be away by diverse and strange teaching, it, for it is good for the heart to be established and strengthened grace and not of diet and ritualistic meals, which bring no benefit or spiritual growth to those who observe them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle, sacred tent, have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose but is brought into the camp by the high priest as an offering for sin, are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also suffered and died outside the city gate that he might sanctify and set apart for God as the people who believe through the shedding of his own blood. So let us go outside to him outside the camp, bearing his contempt, the disgrace and shame that he had to suffer. 
For here we have no lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Through him, therefore, let us at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of the lips and that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. Do not neglect to do good, to contribute to the needy of the church as an expression of fellowship, for such sacrifices are always pleasing to God. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now we begin with verse 7 where it says, Remember your leaders, for it was they who brought you the word of God, and consider the rest of the result of their conduct, the outcome of their godly lives, and imitate their faith, their conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider of eternal salvation through Christ, and imitate their reliance on on God and absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. Now, most expositors will agree that the author is referencing elders that had taught the Hebrews early on and had since passed on. Because of the weakness of the Hebrews' faith at this point, the author calls them to a tangible memory to something they could see within their mind. He writes of these leaders. They brought you, he says of them, that they brought you the word of God. Next, he writes, consider their conduct. The word of God was not just them. It was literally lived out. In it was demonstrated for them. Now, that's true discipleship. Someone who just tells you how to live and walks away and does as he pleases is not a discipler, okay? And you will not learn anything if you just walk out the door and shove notes into your Bible, put them in the back seat and not pick them up again till next week. That'll be a problem. How do I know that? Well, because I've done it. That's how I know that. I'm not putting myself above any of these failings of the flesh. I know them intimately. Does imitate their faith. Paul gives a similar instruction in writing to the carnal Corinthians. He says, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. We teach children to imitate in order to mature them in their understanding. They don't understand why they're doing that, but they're doing it. You're getting them to do it. And the understanding will come in time. But this is not about behavior. It's about the source of that behavior. Jesus talked about his faith in the Father as being the source of his actions. Jesus waited upon the Father's every word. If there was anyone that could act in his own regard without any fear of being wrong, it was Jesus. He only acted as the Father allowed him to act or told him to act. He would do nothing apart from the Father. Now, you know what that is? That is living by faith. That is walking by faith. John five nineteen. So Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you, most solemnly say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, of his own accord, unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever thing the Father does, the Son in his turn also does in the same way. 
The son can do nothing of his own accord. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, what was true of Jesus should be true of you. You say, well, that's a pretty high standard. No, it's not at all. He's made you one with his spirit. It's time you started living supernaturally to the truth of how you were created. The author is calling these Hebrews to remember how the practice of faith had resulted in godly conduct in the lives of these leaders. As we by faith yield to the spirit of God, we'll express the fruit of godliness and begin to live life supernaturally. We don't have to stop at every circumstance or every encounter and pray that God visits some attribute of himself upon you as you respond. You can go forth confidently knowing that he is going to express his fruit because he didn't bring you just into that circumstance so you could get through it, right? He brought you into that circumstance so that you could express the fruit that you as a branch were meant to express and thereby know that fruit from the inside out and affirm the truth of who you are. That's why he brought you there. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek him and be responsive to his guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard to God. Now, you see, that's what living on autopilot is. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.